On the podcast today, we meet two women who are championing confidence, assertiveness, and gumption. Beauty editor Susie Cormack Bruce and comedy and confidence frontwoman Anna Devitt will be speaking to us about the importance of researching, mentoring, and networking. And we'll be hearing their top tips for confidence building. Susie Cormack Bruce is a former fashion, beauty, and lifestyle editor with over 25 years' experience working in media at outlets including Sky News, Ion, The Sunday Mail, and BBC News. It's huge. Susie is the author of Sincerely Yours Susie, a fashion and lifestyle blog aimed at women which offers lifestyle advice. She's passionate about creating authentic content that appeals to her combined following of over 10,000. Welcome, Susie. Now, we worked together at STV. Um, we're indeed. presenting a show last year. It's really good to see you again. I know. It's lovely to actually be here with you in a studio at the same time. Because normally I was in the studio, or you were doing a live, or you were in the studio, and I was out doing something as well. Well, yeah, I mean, but this is the first time we've been really together, which is which is great. But I mean, obviously, we do need a lot of confidence, I think, to be on, on TV, don't you? What do you think about, about that? Do you agree that it's, a, it's an industry that, in particular, requires a lot of confidence? Absolutely. Um, I think... I think when you see people who are actually very good at it and being on screen, it's the people who are confident in themselves. They're not playing a part because we've all seen it. You know, there's some presenters who have been on TV who I think played being a presenter and you're not seeing the authentic self. Mm -hmm. And the ones that are really, really successful are the ones that you just know they're like that off screen as they are on screen. Mm -hmm. um, and that comes basically from being confident. Next. Ah, well, hello. She grew up without any formal qualifications. She became a comedian, went on to star in Rabsy Nesbitt, appeared on Britain's Got Talent and launched the first ever Scottish qualification in comedy and confidence. She's taken it to prisons, young offenders institutions and schools across the country. And last year, she opened a creative academy. She still writes and performs sketches on the BBC and is about to put on a very special panto. Yay! Oh, yes, she is. Yes, it's she Anna is. Anna it's so, so good to see you. Hi. We both work in, in comedy and in, in writing, but um, we also did appear on TV together. Yes, a we did. The time. So you came on our, our entertainment show. Yes, and, and it was can, very entertaining. Well, I remember when, when we first met and you were coming in to talk about comedy and confidence. Mm -hmm. What was it that made you initially decide to start that? So comedy and confidence, what made me decide to do it was walking out of the children's panel at 15 years old after a very, very lengthy fight to basically get my life back. And I must say the children's panel were extremely supportive because um, they still actually to this day are. But I realised that young people that had mental issues, mental things that were going on, were really, really still like discriminated against. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, no, I'm going to change that because I do think that everybody can learn, but not everybody can be taught the same way. And I think that specifically mainstream schooling is quite suffocated mm -hmm. from like policies, procedures, bureaucracy. And so, yeah, I decided no, I'm going to change education. Because you had quite a hard time within the education system, didn't you? I don't. I wouldn't say I had a hard time in it. I was hardly there because they just didn't like me. I am um, so. But no, I successfully got expelled from several schools. So <laughs> and what did that do for your confidence at the time? It really, really knocked my confidence at the time. Um, getting expelled from school is still, as a thirty-two-year-old woman. The one thing that gets to me mm -hmm. because I still don't feel like I'm good enough. I still don't feel like I can achieve. And like, as you know, I've got like awards. I've done loads of great things. I'm very privileged. But it still is deep rooted mm -hmm. within me because that's what they said. It causes mm -hmm. lifelong damage it really, totally doesn't does, it? Yeah. 
But then, I mean, you did mention you've, you have a number of awards and you mm -hmm. really have, I mean, whether it be within the comedy um, part of your career or whether it's the business, you have just been racking them up and that must go a long way to changing that opinion of yourself. Well, it does. Um, and it was quite funny because it was actually my cousin, that's what she'd said. She was like, you've won all these awards, but, and I did fairly rack them up. And she says, but when are you going to, when are you going to be able to just have your own like be enough for mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. and that was the change last year for mm -hmm. me that's when that changed was I decided that I was going to be enough for me I think change is always really important mm -hmm. and and there's usually something that that instigates either a business or you know any sort of change in your life there's an event that that, that changes catalyst. that yeah. absolutely was that the case for you Susie well for me um and the business that I have just now um it was really a culmination of everything that I've done through my career. Um, I could see that the media landscape was changing um, and I wanted to stay on it. I love the media. I love being part of the media. Um, and I needed to find a role for myself again. So what I did was take, it was, I basically borrowed from all of the jobs that I've ever done. Um, so I'm, I'm one of these people that you kind of call a multi-hyphenate now. Everybody thinks it's just the millennials. Well, I'm not a millennial. I'm not not quite a baby boomer, um, but You have I a am, portfolio of work. <laughs> I, yes, yeah. I have, I'm a career portfolioist, so yeah. we, we put it that way. Um, and I decided to kind of basically just round all of this stuff up together. So I've been a journalist, I've been a TV presenter, I've been a TV producer... Um, I was even a karaoke hostess at one point, um, you know, all of these things. Um, so that I then take and roll into Sincerely Your Susie. So with some of the, it's not so much advice that I give people, it's more that I kind of share things that I have learned through the years, you know, because I've had the opportunity to work with some really big names and I've picked up some little tips and I like to share them as well. So things like beauty and fashion and things like that. And I did train as a fashion journalist. Um, and roll it all into one, really, and then go out there and do it, host events, and still do a little bit of TV presenting, um, and just share my kind of my experiences, mm -hmm. and hopefully, you know, somebody will pick up some, you know, maybe some tips and some information from that. But the main thing that I wanted to really do with it was create a community for women who were like me because mm -hmm. I wasn't seeing, even though I was in the media, the media wasn't really portraying people like me and my friends. Mm -hmm. They were either really young looking women my age, you know, that just that wasn't us, or they were really old and kind of matronly women. And mm -hmm. I thought that's not me and it's not my friends. So I wanted to put a voice out there. Um, what I've kind of tried to do is create a little community with Sincerely Your Susie. And I get such a kick when somebody comments and says something and, and then somebody else comments on somebody else's comment. And I just think that's people engaging and that's really what I wanted to do with it. And you're creating a conversation um, which, which is a, a fantastic thing to be able to do, I think, online. And that's one of the real powerful tools of social media. I wonder how your, your childhood fed into what you do now and getting that kind of confidence to start a blog. There's lots of people out there that would love to start a blog and maybe it is the confidence. What was your confidence like when you were a child? You know, Anna's, Anna's obviously shared with us what her experience was. What was yours? I was born confident um, and thankfully I never let it kind of chip away because I believe that we are all born confident and it's really basically life and society that takes our confidence away you know mm -hmm. because we get kind of the issues things happen and it chips away chips away and we lose it and we kind of lose our mojo almost mm -hmm. um, but I've always been confident but when I was born um, I my mother it was a birth accident and I basically wasn't able to use my left arm because 
I died when I was born. <laughs> um, my heart stopped, so they had to pull. I should, I should, I should have been born cesarean section. Wow. Um, hopefully this isn't getting too graphic no, for no, the this listeners. this is really interesting. Um, and I wasn't. I was a month overdue. Um, I was a very big baby, and I was just too big. Um, so they had to pull me out because my heart stopped, and by doing that, they they basically ripped all the nerves in my um in my neck and into my shoulder. So it meant I couldn't use basically my left arm. Um, and it was very much, luckily I had a very strong mother and father because, you know, I could have been wrapped up in cotton wool, mm-hmm. but my mum and dad said, no, you've got to go out there. You know, you've got, you, there's a disadvantage there. So you've got to go out and make your voice heard. Um, and they always encouraged me. So when I look back on my school reports, I was very talkative, but I was the lead in the school play. I did the singing. I did the dancing. I did, you know, all of these I things yeah. because I was being pushed into it. Because I was always told at times, like, you know, I might not be able to drive. And so I drive. I might not be able to play. You wouldn't be able to probably play an instrument. I learned to play the trumpet purely out of stubbornness. I did not want to learn to play the trumpet, mm-hmm. but I was told I couldn't play an instrument. And I thought I'm going to learn to play the trumpet. And I did. Stubbornness goes <laughs> yeah. a long way though in just lighting that fire I think in your belly to make you do something Mm -hmm. and I think that I mean Anna I know that you're the same Um, when I first met you you struck me as someone that just had confidence in abundance you were just you're so happy to approach people to talk to people to tell them about you to ask about them Uh, do you feel like you're ever judged on confidence and how confident you are yeah man Um, but I think that a lot of people think Sometimes with confidence, I agree with what Susie's saying, we are all born confident, and I was always quite confident. Obviously, it was just through the teenage years that it got knocked. But a lot of people think confidence is quite, in my opinion, a complex thing because it can be seen as arrogance. And sometimes when it's been seen as arrogance, it's actually a deflection. Sometimes people see it as insolence and cheekiness, and it's not really. Um, but yeah, I've been judged loads on my confidence, specifically by guys, which mm-hmm. I'm not trying to get pure old feminism, but <laughs> yeah, um, like partners, I've always been like, oh, you, you need to wind down, you're just mm-hmm. too much, you're, and I'm like, you need to leave, <laughs> I've had enough now, yeah. <laughs> um, and it, as a stand-up comedian, yes, I was always very, they were like, oh, you're too mouthy, or you're too opinionated, or I thought that was the whole point of being a stand-up yeah. comedian and having well, an opinion. And... You need to have a bit of that. Aye, uh, to be a, to, being a stand-up comedian, personally, for me, I always thought you've got a real responsibility because you're standing there mm. and people are listening to what you're saying. So you need to make sure what you're saying, one, is funny, relative and engaging, mm-hmm. but also that you're not really affecting people's like mindsets and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I never like, touched politics or anything like that. I always mm-hmm. joked about like me and things. Um, but yeah, I've always been judged on it. Mm. But I think my resilience is just so high that I go, all right, cool. Seven billion people in the world, go and hang about with somebody else. I've just not. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, Good perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that kind of thing as well that people used to say, oh, she's a bit confident. Mm-hmm. You know, and they say it as a negative and we should be going, yeah, she is. Isn't it great that, mm-hmm. you know, we want to be producing more confident women. We don't want to be putting them down. Well, it's like classically, I remember giving someone a compliment once. I said, God, you look beautiful. And she went, oh, thanks. I do. Uh-huh. And I thought, good on you, because quite often we're, we what we do is deflect and or go, oh, God, yeah. no, no, or it's a really old dress. or it's, no. You know, we, we, we don't take it as well. And yeah. actually, we sh- we're seen to be, or we think that we should be humble. Yeah. And we don't have to be. No. We really don't have to be. No, own it and just say, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I absolutely. totally do. Yeah. Working in media especially, I wonder whether you find, Susie, that you're judged on your confidence or if you have been. Yes. 
<laughs> yes, way back in the, the very early days. In fact, the start of my career, um, I start. I went to. I was at Pebble Mill um, in Birmingham, and I had done some work experience with the clothes show. And then the producer from that, a lady called Claire Stride, then went on to produce a programme called Good Morning with Anne and Nick. Um, so it was kind of, it was the rival to Richard and Judy. And she invited me along to do more work experience. Um, so I'm thinking, brilliant, great. Bounded into Birmingham, went in, annoyed the hell out of all of the researchers on the team because I was like the bouncy rabbit. You know, I was a Duracell bunny. I had all these ideas. I was wanting to work all the hours. I was doing all these things. And I was feeling that I could just tell, say, say to people, why don't you do this item? Why don't you do that? And it was one of the girls, Beverly, um, about two years in, because I stayed with it. I actually got a job from that. Oh, well, um, good was, on you. It, yeah, paid, it, it paid off. It paid off. That was a big risk, because I did land in Birmingham, just on my own, in my little bag, um, and actually think, oh, right, I'm here. Um, so Beverly, about two years later, said, you know, when you joined, I couldn't stand you. You really annoyed me, because you were just so out there. You were so confident. Um, and it just kind of, it just really irritated me. So, How great she was honest with you yeah, about it, though. But my best friend said something very similar as well. When I went to, when I came up from London, I'd worked in London for a long time, and then came up and started doing some work at the Sunday Mail and Daily Record. Um, and I just wore what I wore in London, mm -hmm. which was a pair of snake skin kind of leather trousers. Oh, and that I, sounds bougie. Yeah. <laughs> and when I walked into the Daily Record, and my friend Kim went, "Oh my God, who is she?" <laughs> Now she's my best friend, yeah. and she she mentions that all the time. She says you just walked in, and we just thought nobody wears that kind of stuff here. But I, you had the confidence to do it. I do feel like women are judged obviously more on what they wear, and that's certainly something I've experienced more. Whether it be people that comment either afterwards after you've done a show or after you've been mm. on TV, you see comments online. But even within the industry itself, there's lots of people that you work with, lots of producers or exec producers, or if I'm being honest, mostly. And I, I'm with you, Anna. I don't want to be completely overly feminist yeah. about this but there have been a lot of men that feel like they have the right to comment on what I wear or make jokes about it um, you know and I find that needs that's something that I'm not seeing change after hashtag me too there's mm. lots of things that are changing but we still seem to be subject to different rules and different scrutiny to men I, I, I think so I think when it comes to that and especially with the me too thing I think you put your hand up straight away and you say I'm sorry that's not acceptable mm -hmm. don't then leave the room and then say something about it afterwards. You know, this is my, this has always been my problem. I want women, when they feel they are being abused, they're being talked down to, mm -hmm. um, when they are anything at all to, in, a, in a negative sense, is to actually stand and go, I'm sorry, that's not acceptable mm -hmm. to me. In fact, don't even say I'm sorry. Just say, that's not acceptable yeah. to me. You can't speak to me that way. You can't touch me that way. You can't look at me that way and say it. It takes a lot, I think, to find your, to find your voice. What I find really interesting is the three of us obviously have... Um, I think quite a lot of confidence. Mm. We've had it throughout our lives, um, but it does, I think confidence is something that ebbs and flows. I used to think that you would, once you reached this sort of enlightened position, that you would just be confident for the rest of your life. And it really hit me in life when when that dropped off and when that when that disappeared. Obviously, we're, we're chatting right now about the fact that we do have quite a lot of confidence, especially between us. And, you know, I think that you, mine has certainly increased with age, but what has been a time maybe where you've experienced your lowest confidence, Susie? Um, for me, probably this year has probably been the hardest year. Um, I lost my mum in April 
and that and she was always my biggest champion um, and she was the person that I could she was just my rock basically and I lost her in April and that's when my confidence took took a dip and it was probably quite hard on myself for a little while as well um, because I was feeling so low about it um, and then I realised that you know we're human <laughs> you know this is the biggest loss that I would ever going to experience really um, especially at this age um, and my confidence did definitely take a knock um, I would probably say I'm kind of 95% of the way back um, but I'm still not 100% um, but you know, I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I feel like grief is one of the the hardest things I think to go through, and it sounds like what you've done is realised that you need to be a bit kinder to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all need to be kinder to ourselves. I, I think that's it. And sometimes maybe something so dramatic as a death is maybe you know again a catalyst to make you realise that. So I have taken my foot off the gas a little bit um, and stepped away and not felt I had to push myself quite as hard and delivering, you know, making sure there's an Instagram story there every day, doing that. And again, it allowed me to look, look at what I was actually doing and kind of communicate with myself again and what message I was wanting to put across. And again, just as you, it's authenticity. Mm -hmm. That's the way that it has to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought twice about sharing the fact that I had lost my mum um, online because I didn't want to suddenly become a pity party yeah. um, but I did feel that people knew and people had kind of contacted me and I wanted to say thank you because mm -hmm. I appreciated it um, and actually I also wanted to say that when some if you if you're in a, that kind of situation and somebody is going through grief by all means say something to them it doesn't matter what you say but if you reach out and contact somebody it, it does actually it really really is a, a lovely thing to basically know that people are thinking of you. Susie, I'm so sorry um, oh, to hear you. about your mum. And I just think that it, it must be one of the hardest things, I think, to cope with. But um, quite often what I realise on social media is that often if you do put, put a bit of vulnerability out there, um, people do respond in a positive way. Absolutely. It's yeah. that authenticity. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. we are not all, you know, we're not we're not great all the time. And I think if you open up and share things, mm -hmm. and I think we need to also remember when it comes to social media especially, it's a bit like, I always think about like a used car salesman. He is not putting out the dirty, unvalided cars out on the lot. Yeah. And when it comes to social media, we, we don't do that either. We don't put out bad pictures. I love that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> we polish See, them up a little bit, yeah. you know. I say that, uh, like, Facebook's your showreel because nobody is really putting their real life mm -hmm. out on social media. And I think exactly as you're saying, I th and exactly as you're saying as well, Zara, when you do, that's when it works at its best. Mm -hmm. But we need more people to get real on social media mm -hmm. and really stop having all this fakery. You're listening to Royal Bank of Scotland's Ask for More Podcasts breaking down the barriers to women starting and running successful businesses, presented by me, Zara Janjua. Do you, um, do you have one moment in your life, I know that you went through quite a lot when you were younger, but is there a, a time that you identify as being at your lowest ebb? Wow, well, obviously grief is one of the hardest things to go through and unfortunately I lost a lot of people. But ironically, the lowest point in my life was when... I appeared on Britain's Got Talent at that point was one of the lowest in my life. Really? Uh -huh. um, Why is that? There was a lot of other external things going on. Right. Um, and 
that 2013 was one of the toughest years that I've ever went through. And in that year, I won all my big awards. I mm. appeared on Britain's Got Talent. I moved to London with my best friend. But it was a really, really rough year. And a lot of it was to do with relationships with family members, people in my life, friendships, just loads and loads of stuff. Finding out, basically finding out the people that really cared about me and the people that really didn't. And it was a, it was a tough year. It was a really, really tough year. I think there's, you know, lots of other ways we consider losing people, that, you know, from, mm. from your life as well. I think there's an element of grief in, in losing people from your life. Yeah. And, you know, you, you certainly sound like you, but you've learned a lot and you've come through that now. Um, what's interesting, I think, is when you identify the fact that you went at your lowest point, seemed mm. to be doing really, really well. Yeah, well. Oh yeah, like social media. Mm. I was like, I was loving life. Yeah. <laughs> but the minute that that camera wasn't there, mm. I was sitting alone, crying. And I mean, alone. Mm. I wasn't. It was a, it was a tough year. It was a really tough year. And did you find? Your, did you find more of yourself? You know, did you? You know, when you were going through that, did you then rediscover yourself? I don't think I rediscovered myself. I just think I reevaluated myself, mm. and I reevaluated my worth. Mm. Um, and I'd been given like a lot of time to a lot of people that didn't necessarily deserve it. Mm -hmm. Things like that. But sometimes you do have to readjust yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we look at with business confidence is, um, you know, obviously when you're going into any new situation, it can be really, really daunting. I think the more you learn and the more you equip yourself with information, the more it empowers you. So, um, how and how did you research for what you do and how did you feel about um you know researching the industry that you were moving into susie um well for me my kind of brand was me so mm -hmm. actually i'd already done the research because i had lived it um so that that kind of really didn't it didn't kind of work that way what i kind of did though was get to grips more with the digital side of things because that was quite new to me because i had worked in print publishing um, the digital side was new, um, um, but I kind of fell in love with Instagram, um, to be honest. And so I learned a bit more about photography. Um, you are fab on Instagram. Well, I do I all my phone. own stuff. Mm. I do my own photographs because one, I couldn't afford to have a photographer all the time um, following me about. I don't understand how people can. <laughs> and also, I thought I wanted to put out an authentic, you know, voice out there as well. So. If I want to shoot, you know, at 10 o'clock at night and do a picture because I've seen something fabulous, then I can do that if I do all my own stuff. So that was really the reason for doing that. So I did a bit of research on how to kind of get, what kind of camera to use and, um, and also some of the apps for using because I shoot mostly in Scotland, although I've been away a lot this year. Um, and the light in Scotland isn't actually that good. Mm. So I kind of use a filter, not Photoshop. Uh, that's one of the things I always want to tell people it's not all Photoshop I don't do Photoshop but I use a filter just to bright my pictures so I did a bit of research onto that um, and also the use of hashtags and things because they are important mm -hmm. um, and I would say to anybody in their business if they are using something like Instagram do kind of connect with you know some of the um, some of the kind of the brands that are out there that can actually advise on using the right hashtags um, when you're going to be, um, be posting all of these things there is a little bit of a science okay it's a little pseudoscience but there is a little bit of a science behind it so that was the kind of research that I did and Anna did you find there was anything that you were maybe lacking in confidence with that through research you managed to gain that confidence to, to do to do the work with your business um no so, <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, obviously, what I did was again, it was drawn from personal experience growing up, like we a lot of mental health issues and stuff around me, um, had moan. But no, when I when I walked into the SQA and said I want to accredit comedy and confidence, and they were like, "What now?" And I said to them, "I was like, I want to use comedy as a catalyst to get confident, using the emotions behind different comedy styles to impact on mental health." And then they started talking in this SQA language, is what mm. I call it. And I sat and I was like, oh, hell no. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and it was actually a beautiful woman called Kelly Milford. Um, I, I cried in that office so many times because um, I'm also dyslexic. And it was her. She she really helped me do it. Um, and now, now I feel really confident about it. But I think it's because like that now I do understand it. But um, no, and the research that I did was I held a lot of focus groups with young people, had a lot of really difficult conversations, mm. tried out different techniques, looked at the sociology and psychology and the neurology behind human brains and how uh, teenage brains and the development, a lot about the frontal lobe and how you make decisions and don't make decisions. Um, and I, I pulled all of that together. So I kind of feel like I, I should be Dr. Devitt, even though <laughs> I don't have don't a doctor. to it. Yeah, it does. I might just start, start using it. There's one quote that I always think is really good, and it came from Arthur Asp, and he basically, Arthur Ashe, sorry, and it's one important key um, to success is confidence, and the most important key to self-confidence is preparation. And I think that's the kind of big thing is knowing that and getting being prepared mm-hmm. um, and doing it. And that's, I think, the, one of the kind of the foundations of basically of building confidence. Yeah, you need to be prepared. But for Absolutely. my business, yeah, it was like a lifelong thing. And obviously I knew about the system and the panel and the social workers and all of that and school. And, and I had always worked with kids, but I did spend two years working with every single organisation that I could and trialling mm-hmm. and trying techniques and all of that. So I think I did more practical mm-hmm. research mm-hmm. opposed to... But yeah, when I when I still, but the SQA is a complete different language. Mm. Like honestly, sometimes it's the terminology. I think that it seems yeah. like a minefield. So, so you've just obviously given us a lovely inspirational quote. <laughs> but um, you know, having a mentor as well is something that a lot of people find really useful in equipping them with the, the skills they need um, to start a business. Um, did you did you have anyone mentoring you? When you, when you started in, in the industry? I was quite fortunate, um, especially when I came back to Scotland because of the the job that I was in. I was um, features editor at the, the Sunday Mail newspaper and at that time was the biggest selling newspaper in the country. Um, and so I got the chance to have meet people like the First Minister and you know Sir Tom Hunter and Willie Hawkey and all of these people. So, um, and I would see some of them socially um, and Actually, Willie Hawkey, Lord Hawkey, um, was absolutely fantastic um, and so encouraging. They've all been very, very encouraging, um, but Lord Hawkey was was particularly so. And he said the key to any successful business is communication. Mm-hmm. He says if you can basically communicate what your business is about, communicate to your staff, and also communicate to yourself to stay on message that's you you got and it's always kind of stuck with me mm-hmm. and sometimes I take myself away and have a little talk to myself you know you need to do because that. I'm because I am on my talk. own you know I work for myself and I work I don't have staff okay I bring in people come in and help me on different projects um but on a day-to-day basis it's me and sometimes I do need to kind of go okay what are we doing here and what is the end game um and plan for that we clearly go to the same parties because we know all the same people mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um but yeah that's good Anna, Sorry, yeah. with you, with yourself, um, did you find that, did you have a mentor and did they sort of help you in any way with confidence? 
I don't think my mentor helped me with confidence. I think they helped me with stuff like that, like how to communicate what the business was, um, how to like that keep going and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they helped me with confidence. So I had like Queen Margaret, that's Margaret Gibson, um, Evelyn McDonald from Scottish Edge, Simon Hanna from Fishills really kinda helped me. I don't don't know if I'd say he's a men like I don't mean, I wouldn't call any of them a like a mentor, but they're just really good people that and Ken Whip, they've just kinda helped me along the way. There's going to be people listening to this that just think, how on earth do you get to mix, meet, mingle with these people? Because they're just, you know, they're not, you don't find them in the yellow pages. Do people still use the yellow pages? I don't even know. <laughs> but, you know, they're not easily accessible. Um, they are, if you go to the right event. Well, so this brings us on to the next point about networking. Um, a lot of women apparently think that the that we lack professional networks and they see this as a barrier to starting up business. And as we've already established, having that knowledge is really important and it is it does help you gain the confidence you need to start your business. So, so Anna, you obviously don't think that we are lacking in professional networks. Well, I don't know if we're lacking in professional networks, Parsi, because I was saying that... I'd, I've just been really lucky because obviously, a bit like you, like, because my business is about me, so I've got a really, really good, strong network, but I've also had, like, the opportunities through my awards and all that to be put on platforms. So I think maybe we need better networking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that people are people. And so these people are accessible, you just have to ask. Mm-hmm. And that's where the confidence comes in. So I asked to go and speak to these people. Like, I properly linked them in and went and phoned them and said, I want to come and have a meeting with you. Oh, you track people Oh, I people go for down. it. Oh, yeah. I track them. Oh, I'm like the FBI. <laughs> I'm like that. I will find you and I will come and have a chat with you. And it's if they can't amazing. help me, that's fine. Yeah. But I I grew up basically, my granny, I love my wee granny, my granny's mantra is, you're as good as anybody, but be better than most. And what she means is be nicer, be kinder, be better, like be a better person, be a better human being, mm-hmm. not better as in take your millions in your sports cars. But I do firmly, like when I walk into a room, I am like, I am as good as anybody here. Mm-hmm. And I just think we we need everybody and we are all human beings. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So, Susie, do you do much networking? Well, yes. Um, and actually last year I was involved with the 100 Women event, which um, RBS That's had right. um, done. And yeah. that was great. And I think those kind of events are the events that you are going to get to meet some of these, mm-hmm. the power players. I mean, we had Jeanette Forbes, um, who was at one of the events last year up in Aberdeen. Now, mm-hmm. she runs a global a global company and she was there on the platform. She was chatting to people afterwards. So that's the thing. These kind of events are very good at getting straight, mm-hmm. straight to the heart of these people. Where do you begin with networking? Like, if you just... If Hello. You- that is it it's, and not it's, the it's, magazine not the, <laughs> it's hello it's yeah. that's the thing it's saying hello to somebody i'm going to go more basic than that it's going to it leaving your house mm-hmm. people always say to me how hard is it to open a business it's not hard you're going mm-hmm. to come to this house you register it and you pay 20 quid mm-hmm. that's how you open a business how you maintain a business grow a business and run a business is where it gets difficult and you need to get up and you need to leave your house and then mm-hmm. like that yes 
you say hello. I am such a big advocate of, when I say networking, I don't necessarily mean, although I think they are incredibly effective going along to networking events, because this is what everyone's there to do. But I also think just connect, just talk to people when you're at, yeah. you never know where you're yeah. going to meet people. And there's been so many opportunities I've had in my career just by meeting someone very randomly at an event oh. and being mm -hmm. open to talking, being open to discussing, which I think is really difficult if you are going through, if you're quite an anxious person or if you have, you know, anything that's holding you back from any sort of social issues or anything mm. that's holding you back from approaching people. It can be really difficult. Um, well, then you should definitely seek out somebody that would help you with yeah. that because if you are, if anybody is sitting listening to this and it is that, it's like social anxiety or mm. they're panicking or whatever, like get in touch with me. I'll mm -hmm. help you. Get in touch with Susie. Yeah. Get in touch with somebody mm -hmm. because you've only got one shot at life yeah. and you really just should take it. Absolutely. And these networking events are great and with that, when you speak mm -hmm. to people, you will realise we all feel like that. Mm -hmm. I've had moments stood on stage in front of, like, at the SCCC for Britain's Got Talent. I think I was in front of, like, two and a half thousand people. I've never been more Britain in my whole entire life. <laughs> but when you watch it, it's only my mum. And my mum goes, oh, you did that thing there. You were really nervous. And I go, yeah, mum, yeah. I was. Like, but y you've really got... And it's what we were saying about once you've done it, once mm -hmm. you've done it once... Yeah. That you've done it. Yeah. So reach out. I would love to, like the four tops. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Um, okay. I'd love to know then, you know, speaking to you both, bags of confidence, bags of gumption, what are your top tips or, you know, your, your, any advice that you would have for people who are maybe lacking somewhat in confidence and they're looking for some advice or some help? The thing that, again, as part of my job, I worked with breast cancer care um, and I produced the show um, so we had all women and men who had experienced breast cancer and they were all really nervous and going on and that was the thing and I used to always say to them and if any of my ladies or men are sitting out there they will they will know this I say think of the time that you felt most confident. You just felt good. Mm -hmm. It could have been when, you know, your kids were graduating, when you were getting married, when you got divorced, you know, just think about that and keep that, you know, kind of vision in your head. And that's what you just need for your first step. Yeah. Because especially on that catwalk, it's really daunting. They're stepping out and if you I said, because as soon as you take that first step, that room will explode with joy for you because everybody's on your side. But that sometimes that's all you need to do. You just need to go over that first step and then go forth. Go forth. And do you have any tips for in specific business confidence? Preparation. Know your business inside out. That's the key thing. Because you know, if you don't know your business inside out, then how you you, you get torn apart. I'm amazed when I see things like Dragon's Den and people step into that room to pitch and they can't give basic information about a business. Now, information that they should have, they should know anyway, let alone being in front of, you know, what, however many dragons there are and millions of people watching as well. I think know your business um, and then that's, that's going to help you sell it and you're going to feel comfortable in going forward with it. See... I totally love you, but I totally disagree with that. Because <laughs> okay. when I... I do, I love you to bits, but... I'll st like, even still, there mm. are areas of my... Like, so I know what my business does, right? But there are areas of my business, like... So my mind is recognised throughout Europe and I can globalise it. Mm -hmm. I don't have a clue how to do that. So there's areas of my business that I don't know. And when I started it, I didn't know it. So I think it's about know enough and find yes. the right people find people smarter than you. I surround myself with people that are smarter than me and I love it. Mm -hmm. My wains half the time are smarter than me 
And I mm. love them for it. But the original question about how to get confident, before I leave the house, I do my whole laughter cream. I'm at the a laughter yoga therapist, qualified in 2012. Um, I do that. I make myself laugh because mm. it puts your mindset into a good frame. And exactly what you said, I remind myself of something I did that I'm proud of. But it was for me. Mm-hmm. So I'll say things like, that was good that you did that wee bubble bath last night, Anna, because you really needed it, hen. <laughs> or, that was great, you never phoned back your ex-boyfriend because he's not worth it. Things like that. Mm-hmm. And then I go about my day. Mm-hmm. It's like positive enforcement. You've yeah, got to. really helps. You've got to love yourself. Honestly, see when you're feeling like really nervous, stand in front of a mirror and really remind yourself who you are. Really remind yourself. And I know that sounds really bad and to guys as well, but sometimes you have got to stand and face yourself mm-hmm. and go... You have been through all this stuff, mm-hmm. but I love you, and we've got this. Mm-hmm. And then go about your day. I find, um, you know, in terms of getting confidence, it really, for me, is about the people that I surround myself with. And um, I really love connecting with people that are on this incredible journey or upward trajectory. And I just think it inspires me and it makes me think that anything's possible and just to keep going. So, you know, I think both of you are on that and it's just, I'm so glad that you've that you've been here sharing your story with me. So thank you so much and thank you for sharing with us. Ladies, before we, we finish up, I feel like uh, this has been some incredible, we've got some confidence inspo today, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'd love to know what you're, if you have like an inspiring quote, if there's a sort of mantra that you tell yourself that just really helps you get going. Know your worth and don't be afraid to ask for it. That's my thing. And that's even to myself, you know, because if I kind of feel, when I'm feeling down and I'm feeling a bit low, I go, do you know what, Susie? You're better than this. I love that. Get yourself up, but know your worth and don't be afraid to ask for it. In all areas of your life, your personal life, your financial life, your business life, your friendships as well. Yeah, man, your friendships. Definitely. See, I've got about six, so what one do you want? <laughs> one of them I can't say because it's a podcast, but it's Don't Let the Bees Get You Down. Um, live by that one. Uh, the other one is You Can Lie to Yourself, but Just Don't Lie... Eh, no, You Can Lie to the World, but Just Don't Ever Lie to Yourself. Yeah. And that one for me has always been really important because I can go out and I can do all the things that I want to do and I can be all right, but when you're not all right, don't, don't lie to you about that. So take that time. Like that, know your worth. Take that time. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, the, the other one that I would say is, my mum brought me up with this, you can do anything if you set your mind to it. Mm-hmm. Just decide. I'm a big believer in yeah. that as well. Mm-hmm. Susie Carmack-Bruce, it's been so beautiful to see you again. I've really <laughs> loved hearing your stories. Thank you so much for joining us. And of course, Anna Devitt. Thank Lovely thank to you. have you. Thanks for listening to Royal Bank of Scotland's Ask for More podcasts, breaking down the barriers to women starting and running successful businesses.